Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Exurga Deus dispenter in imigeus. Et fugianque oderenteu ma facha eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So my voice was actually too weak to do a significant amount of recording and things being what they were and given the fact that everybody's talking about the election and I gotta be honest with you, it's a rather boring topic. Especially when, you know, we should actually be paying attention to what the possibilities are. I basically left most of last week without comment. And it's not to say that there's nothing happening in the news. It's just, there's so much happening in the news that we already know. We already know that crime is rampant across the many cities of the, of the United States of America. We already know that things are going topsy-turvy, or still topsy-turvy in Ukraine and Russia. We already know that the church is putting out craziness with the synodal documents. We already know now that cardinals are starting to resist, priests are starting to resist, bishops are starting to resist this craziness. So these are things that we already know. We already know that things going on with the election, as much as you know, the polls seem to indicate that things are going to shift in a manner that's going to not dump us directly off the cliff. The fact is, is that we've seen things that sort of pushed us off the cliff in 2020. So most of us want to have faith that the elections are going to go the way they, the way that it seems to be quite obvious that they will. But most of us also simultaneously do not know what that's going to look like even if they do go the way the polls seem to be indicating. And we're not the only ones going through it. Brazil just had their elections, and supposedly the left-wing communist psychopath is the one who took the office rather than hired Bolsonaro, which seems nearly impossible 
because the moment that, that it was announced, millions of people came out and prayed. See, they talk about the, the chaos that's now running the streets in Brazil. But that first day when the announcement was made, millions of Brazilians came out and prayed a rosary. Prayed out for the intercession of the Blessed Mother and our Lord to come down and protect them from what was about to happen. That part didn't get any of the media coverage. Now it's the chaos in the streets and the declaration that anybody who's not on board with the communist psychopath taking the office are somehow threats to democracy. And those people have even come out and said that they want the military to go ahead and stage a coup so that the military can protect them from the communist onslaught. Imagine. And things like that are going off across the world. The new supposedly conservative British Prime Minister is also a psychopath. Pushing towards the whole Great Reset thing. These things, they're news because they're happening, but they're not surprising and they're not honestly worth commenting on. You want to go out and look and see bad news? That's fine. Go for it. Take a look. But the heart and soul of this podcast, if you want to call it an apostolate, then you can. The heart and soul of this podcast is to give you the information that you need to be ready. It is preparedness for what is coming that will help you through the day. It is not knowing the sordid details of this scandal or that scandal or this betrayal and that betrayal, except to say, possibly illuminating the breadth and depth of the corruption so you know so you can prepare. The principal push for this episode today is a return to a talk about the armor of God that I gave about a year ago. And because I don't have it in my archive, I don't mind going back over it. I mean, I have it in my archives, like I can access the episode, but I have to download it and recode it and re-upload it. Um, And in all actuality, the perspective that I was looking at has kind of shifted a little bit. And so I want to talk about it again, but I want to talk about it fresh. And that's what we're going to do here today. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperet ilideas supplicas de precamor, tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos, quet perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, miserere nobis, 
Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculato Concepto Est, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So, I'm going to paraphrase Scripture because I'm not going to go through and read word for word um, Ephesians 6, or Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 24. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I really kind of want to get to a particular portion. So we're all familiar with the armor of God, the helm of salvation, the breastplate of justice, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. These are common in our minds. Like when, when you're thinking about it, it's easy to wrap your brain around what each of them mean. It's easy. And in fact, actually, when, when St. Paul talks about other aspects of the armor, the undergarments and such, and like the, the tunic and cloak and all that, he does talk about those things as well. But there is an often overlooked portion because, of course, the helmet gets, you know, it's flashy. It's on your head. It's the helmet, right? The breastplate, it's on your chest. Big, big target to protect, you know, a big big piece of armor that protects your body. The sword, of course, you get to attack and parry and defend with, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The shield of faith, with which to quench all of the fiery darts of the evil one, which I always thought it was funny that the various translations go arrows and darts and things of that nature, because there is a, there is a Fatima connection to all of those interpretations of the words used for the, for the slings and arrows, the darts, the fi the fiery darts, the fiery arrows, all of, all of those words, which are common throughout the New Testament, talking about the wiles of the devil, have a distinctive Fatima connection. Because in the third secret, when the Holy Father is shot down with the bullets and arrows, bullets and arrows shot down by soldiers. We look at that and it's a very confusing image because, of course, you know, it's the 20th, 21st, well, it's, it, we're headed into sec, what seculars re regard as the 20th century at the time. It really was the last, World War I was actually the last war of the 19th century. World War II was the first war of the 20th century. But when you're looking at the time period, who uses, at the end of the 19th century, who uses arrows? Nobody. But everybody can comprehend soldiers and bullets. But soldiers and arrows seems a little bit squiffy until you realize that there is a metaphysical description. The Apostle St. Paul refers to them as fiery darts, fiery arrows. But what are they? Those are the bullets. The those are the bullets and the arrows and the darts. Those are flaming with heresy, flaming with temptation and sin. And when you take that interpretation and apply it to the assassination of the bishop in white at the foot of the cross, that changes everything. Because now we're no longer talking about actual bullets, although we could be. 
And we're not talking about actual arrows, although we could be. But the symbolism of the bullets and the arrows killing the bishop in white, the Holy Father, actually has to do with the fiery darts launched at us from the evil one and his minions. And that would be the more accurate look because then the image of bullets and arrows doesn't seem quite as off the beaten path. So we look at the bullets of apostasy and the arrows of heresy. The bullets of temptation and sin and transgression and faithlessness alongside the arrows of the same. At that point, it no longer becomes material as to whether or not it's really bullets or arrows. Because when prophecies like that are being described, they are not just being described in a material sense, but most importantly, because the principal law of the church has to do with the salvation of souls, it's most important to interpret and understand these things on a spiritual level, what they mean spiritually for the soul. The Blessed Mother has never been overly concerned with the health of and, and, and well-being of our physical bodies, but she has always been pr principally concerned with the state of our souls. Why? Because Christ, her Son, our God, is also principally concerned not with the physical health of our bodies, but with the state of our soul. Because our God calls us to mortify the flesh so that we can fortify the soul. Given that understanding, it is no wonder there is so little attention paid to the part in Ephesians chapter 6 where the Apostle St. Paul says, and having your feet shod with the boots or sandals, depending on, really it's dependent on the translation, but having your feet shod with the boots of the preparedness that comes with the gospel of peace. I should probably actually change the logos for Radio Free Catholic to a pair of boots, in all honesty. Because it is the boots that allow you to march into battle. It is the boots that allow you to fight the war. Imagine for a moment a soldier fully clad. Let's go with, let's go with the Gothic era. So you have this gothic armor, you've got this gorgeous helmet, this <clears throat> this gorgeous helmet, and you've got your your visor and your bev and your bever, and you've got your breastplate and your pauldrons and your and your spalders and your van braces and vera and rara braces, you've got your chouses, you've got your elbow and knee cops, you've got everything. You're covered in in gambeson and chainmail 
and steel plate from head to your shins. And from there down, because you lack the preparedness that comes from the gospel of peace, you're walking around barefoot. What a laughable image. Oh, by all means, brave Achilles, dive headlong into battle to be taken out by a single fiery arrow to the ankle, to the heel. As the enemy and his legions lock themselves together in a phalanx and rather than attack you with spear to the chest, where you can block with your shield and you can duck with helmeted head. Rather than that, they simply slam their scutum, their big Roman shield, right into your toes, and now you can't even stand. Now you can no longer walk. Oh dear friend, how are you going to board the ship of the enemy? When all they have to do is put caltrops on the floor. Just scatter caltrops on the deck and those with boots can walk and those without will fall. Because they were foolish enough to not shoe their feet. They were prepared from their head down below their knees, but they did not quite make it to the ankles and toes and heels. And so when it came time to walk through the briar patch, they just couldn't do it. And like the Vikings of old who attempted to invade Scotland, found their bare feet, which they had taken their shoes off specifically so that they could approach quietly, found their bare feet defeated, destroyed by a humble purple thistle. And now you understand the whole core of the apostolate. Everything that Radio Free Catholic is here for is specifically for your feet. Because if you cannot stand, you cannot fight. So I'd like to direct your attention along this line to Marie-Julie Jeheny, who, if you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, then you know that there is a reverence and devotion to her. And I want to tell you a little bit about her, excuse me, a little bit about her life. Nothing deep. I'm not going to go like real, real crazy. So Marie-Julie Jeheny was born in a large peasant family at Coyol in uh, France in 1850. 
And during her life, she had many apparitions of Jesus and the Blessed Virgin Mary through which she received prophecies about the end of the world, the punishments for the sins of the people, and of course, the three days of darkness. From the age of 23 until her death in 1941, she bore the stigmata for over 65 years. And this is longer than St. Pontre, Pontre Pio of Pietro uh, Cina. According to the testimony of witnesses, she experienced miraculous Holy Communions, miraculous fasting periods to which she lived on no other food but the Eucharist for several years. She suffered preternatural attacks from the devil and had the gift of prophecy and the gift of miracles. And during some of her ecstasies, our Lord and his most holy mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, showed her a number of ways we can protect ourselves during the coming chastisements with old and new sacramentals. And it is about one of the new sacramentals, the purple scapular of benediction and protection, that I wish to discuss. Now I'm going to go through, um, and the reference I'm using for this is a website called the scapular of benediction and protection.com. And it is, is, of course, backslash the scapular of benediction itself. <clears throat> Quoting from the website, This is what the Holy Virgin shows me on her Immaculate Heart. It is a large scapular, larger than ordinary scapulars. It is a little larger than the palm of the hand. It is a pretty violet, near, nearly the color of a violet. Here's what is on top. In the middle are three nails in which or which crucified our Lord on the cross. And they are placed above each other, not quite in the shape of a cross. And at the point of each nail, there is a drop of purple blood. Above the heads of the nails, there is a kind of large sponge which has pieces of bark that stand out. It is a little like a bale of oats. The three drops of blood joined to fall into a small chalice painted red, and the chalice is surrounded by a crown of thorns, and there are three little crosses engraved on the front of the chalice. That is the side of the scapular, which is on the middle cloak of the Holy Virgin. I notice that this scapular is held with two violet ties, which go over each shoulder, and there are three knots on the left shoulder and two on the right. The other side of the scapular represents the Holy Virgin, Mary, sitting, holding her adorable son in her arms. The mouth and head of our Lord rest on the heart of the Holy Virgin. At the bottom of the scapular, and nearly at the feet of our Lord, is an angel dressed in white with curly hair. He has on his head a white crown, and his belt is red. He holds in his hand a white cloth with which he wipes the feet of our Lord. Next to the angel, on the right side of the scapular, there is an engraved ladder. Behind our Lord, on the left, is the reed, of the passion painted red, but there is no sponge. The tears of the Holy Virgin flow onto her breast, to the right and fall to the feet of the angel. The scapular is edged with a red band and the cords are made of wool. Let me now, my dear child, the Virgin Mother said to me, give you the explanation of this scapular. I'm addressing you, my victim and my servant. Uh, most likely the spiritual director of Marie-Julie. 
My children of the cross, for a long time my son and I have wished to make known this scapular benediction. This scapular, my children, is modeled on my heart because my heart is the emblem of simplicity and humility which explains the color of violet. The nails which have pierced the feet and the hands of my son are barely venerated and are venerable. That is why my son in his divine wisdom has had three nails painted on the front of the scapular. Those three drops of blood and the chalice represent the generous hearts gathering the blood of my divine son. The red sponge will represent my divine son drinking, in a certain sense, the sins of his children, but which his adorable mouth refuses. This is a callback to when the sponge was, was dipped in vinegar and gall and presented to our Lord when he said, I thirst. I wish that the background, usually black, of the scapular should be violet, but I wish that the nails, the chalice, the sponge, and the crown should be on a dark red piece of flannel. <clears throat> the first appearance of this scapular will be a new protection for the times of the chastisements, the calamities, and the famines. All those who will wear it will be able to go through storms, tempests, and darkness. They will have, the, they will have light as in broad daylight. Such is the power of this unknown scapular. The Holy Virgin presents a scapular to our Lord, who in his turn says, I address you, my victim, and also my victims and my servant, my children of the cross. I wish to, and I come to, give you an idea and a deep thought. When taking me down from the cross, I was given to my mother. That descent, that thought, that devotion is little known. I wish that by the reproduction of this scapular, it should enter the hearts of my children of the cross and that they hail me by these three greetings. The Crux Ave. I hail thee, Jesus, crucified, to let me live. I hail thee with all the joy of the angels and of the saints on bringing thee down from the cross. I hail thee with all the sorrow of thy mother when thou rested on her immaculate heart and on her lap. My children, very few souls think of wiping the adorable wounds on my feet when the blood flows, and I wish this representation to be known. I want to hold right here. My children, very few souls think of wiping the adorable wounds on my feet when the blood flows, and I wish this representation to be known. It's not the only time that we neglect our Lord's feet. It's not the only time that we neglect to even think of our feet. In truth, I would have to say that the feet of man are oftentimes never thought of. When I first read this, I prayed on it, I meditated on it, and I had nothing. Nothing. There was nothing. There was nothing that I could see that connected in, into the message. It would take some time before I would finally make the connection that the whole armor of God specifically states and includes the preparedness that comes with the gospel of peace. We often think, in, we oftentimes think about standing in that day, but we forget that it is with feet that we stand. It is with hands that we fight. 
We can remember that we need our hands to hold it. We need our, our, well, typically left hand to hold up the shield and our right hand to hold, to hold the sword. We can remember easily that we need sword and shield to fight. And yet, for some reason, it is so basic and so entrenched in our minds that we fail to remember that we must have our feet shod in this spiritual battle. As the Apostle St. Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against the principalities and the powers, the powers of darkness in this world. And if it was important enough in the inerrant, inspired word of God for the Apostle St. Paul to make mention of the fact that we need to shoe our feet in the preparedness that comes with the gospel of peace. Maybe we should pay attention to such things. Maybe we should consider what that means. So let's take a moment and consider what it means. In Rome, had our Lord not been beaten and scourged. Had our Lord not been placed upon the cross leading into the Sabbath, there would not have necessarily been a deadline. In Roman law, it was understood that anyone who, that anyone who survived three days crucified on the cross would be allowed to live. And surely the Son of God could have. But divine providence and the expectation and the plan of God basically said, no, this is going to be done on that day in these hours, and that is it. However, and to be sure, almost nobody actually survived three days on the cross anyway. But if you did... And here's the kicker. If you did survive three days on the cross, they would take you down and your punishment was considered fulfilled. And of course it would be. Because to drive the nails through your feet meant that you probably weren't going to be able to walk. To drive the nails through your hands meant that you probably weren't going to be able to work. You were reduced. You were never going to raise arms against Rome. You were never going to be capable of fighting. You probably could barely stand. You certainly were never going to dance again. And you probably lacked the capacity to be able to hold a a sword and a shield or a spear, or a bow, or anything else. So the weapons of war were taken from you. Indeed, you probably wouldn't even be able to write, assuming you could read and write. But remember what I said at the beginning, if you cannot stand, you cannot fight. And if your feet are mangled because they drove nine-inch iron nails through the metatarsals, 
thus breaking them apart and distorting the ligaments the, the ligaments and probably tearing through tendons that were necessary to be even able to keep your balance. Surely at this point, after having been crucified, even if you suffered no other punishment, if you survived having been crucified, you would never, ever, ever be a threat to the hegemony again. Not in any real sense. My children, very few souls think of wiping the adorable wounds on my feet when the blood flows, and I wish this representation to be known. Little thought is also given to the tears shed by my mother during my passion. Those tears are at the feet of the angel who wipes my sacred feet. By this scapular, I wish you to think about that ladder. Something, of course, that you would never be able to... Actually, having pierced hands and feet, you would never be able to climb. In a spiritual sense, being wounded in the hands and feet means... Remember, let's take this back to the Old Testament and Jacob's ladder. How, pray tell, spiritually would you be able to climb a ladder if your hands and your feet are so wounded? How, pray tell, would you ever get to have? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
By this scapular, I wish you to think about that ladder, that reed, and those nails of my passion. The promises. My children, any soul, any person who will possess this scapular will see his family protected. His house will also be protected, firstly from conflagrations, which will never penetrate it. This scapular will crush the ungrateful who will blaspheme my name in the house where it is to be exposed, where it will be exposed. If an impious enters, he will be so struck that his conversion will occur. All those who will wear it will be protected from thunder, sudden death, and accidents. During the chastisements, they will be protected. Whoever places it in the holy temple will drive out the impious and the profanations. Our Lord also adds that by reminding an obstinate soul about this scapular at the time of death, it will reawaken in it faith and conviction, and that all those who will think about it and love it will be spared the pains of the soul, that those who will wear it will be sheltered from all danger, as if they possessed heaven. And finally, this scapular will be like a lightning conductor beneath which the blows of just divine anger will not strike. As, of course, a lightning rod directs the lightning bolt away from the house. Our Lord also says, any priest will be able to bless this scapular. You, my victim, will be able to make the model. While wearing this scapular, the crux ave may be said five or seven times and meditate for one to three minutes on my passion. I will grant great graces to those who will wish to wear this holy habit. And there were, of course, two prayers, uh, two Crux Ave prayers revealed. And so here are both. The first one, O Crux Ave, spes unica, et verbum caro factum est. O Jesus, vanquisher of death, save us. That's O hail to the cross, our only hope, and the word was made flesh. The second one, I hail you, I adore you, I embrace you, O adorable cross of my Savior. Protect us, keep us, save us. Jesus loved you so much by his example, I love you. By your holy image, calm my fears, so that I might feel only peace and confidence. So what does it mean to be, to have your feet shod with the boots of the preparedness, or the boots that come with the preparedness, or excuse me, the boots of preparedness that come with the gospel of peace? Well, the gospel of peace says a few things. For our Lord says to us, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword, a sword that will divide mother from child father from child. I believe she uh, specifically said mother from son and father from daughter or whatever, but divide the parents, divide brother against brother, Defi divide friends. That means to embrace the gospel in its fullness, you will probably be divided from those you love unless they also embrace the gospel. If you follow Christ, you will be reviled. 
because he was reviled. You will be insulted. You will be calumniated. You will be detracted from. You will be scourged and beaten. You'll be spit on and struck. You'll be martyred because these things happened to our Lord. But it's not just you will be martyred because let's look at the symbolism of what it means. Like I said, what happens if you survive the crucifixion in the Roman law? That means that your hands and your feet will be maimed. From a symbolic standpoint, we can say that you'll be canceled, to use common modern parlance. You'll be denied speech. You'll be denied resistance. You'll be denied all of the things that as a human being, as a child of God, you have every claim to. You'll be denied your inheritance. You'll be denied travel. You'll be denied even to defend yourself. And a spiritual standpoint, to be wounded in the hands and the feet basically means you will be denied the capacity to battle. This is what those wounds mean. Is it important to be able to fight? Yes. Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord who trains my hands for war and teaches my fingers to fight. If you're prepared for these things, if you know that this is what this means, you're open to the truth, then when it presents yourself, when J.P. Morgan Chase cancels your bank account or PayPal tries to deduct $2,000 from your bank account, as a fee for misinformation or whatever. You will, of course, be ready for these things because you know that they're going to happen. You know that these people hate you. And it's not because they hate you in particular. They simply hate. I was reminded yesterday, and I actually said so on Twitter, a simple, actually rather, I suppose, cryptic tweet. Simply said, I was reminded today that God's grace is sufficient. And what I was talking about with that tweet was I took a moment, because I'd gone through some stuff in my life this last week, that had me giving thanks and glory and honor to God because he made me Catholic. <clears throat> and I'll kind of synopsize it with this metaphor. If you've ever watched the television show Doctor Who, when Matt Smith was playing the Doctor, I think he was the 11th Doctor, when Matt Smith was playing the Doctor, there was an episode called Demon's Run. And the bad guy, which was some old, older lady with an, with an eye patch, she says, she says to him, 
I do so love fighting good men. They have too many rules. And by implication, she was saying, of course, that she had no rules. She didn't have to follow the rules. She was simply going to do the things that achieve the objective that she was looking for. <clears throat> and Matt Smith, as the doctor, uttered what I believe is one of the greatest threats in the history of television. He responded with, good men don't need rules. And now is not the time to find out why I have so many. Wonderful. And as this set of thoughts actually flash back into my head, I realize that I have rules, and I have a very large book of rules. Um, it's approximately 630 pages of rules, depending on how it's printed. There's a, there's a, not an abridged version, but a simpler version of it that's still like 390, 400 pages. And it's only simpler because it doesn't have all the definitions, because the words mean exactly what they meant when they were written. And I know that that book of rules is true. Intellectually, I know that that book of rules is true. And so I try day to day to follow those rules. By the way, if you haven't figured it out, what I'm talking about is the Catechism of the Catholic Church and more specifically the smaller book, the Catechism of the Council of Trent. And I thought about what life would be like if I did not adhere myself to those rules as closely as possible. And it was quite simple. The nature of my upbringing was such that I don't have the touchy-feely emotional connection to pretty much anyone on this earth. Not to my parents, not to my siblings, not to my friends, not to my extended family, not actually to anyone. And were I to remove those rules from my method of living, even briefly, the whole of humanity would be reduced to their, uti to their utility in any given situation. And the moment that their utility is reduced below what I would deem acceptable given the situation, I would have absolutely no compunction of killing them on, on the spot. None whatsoever. You get in the way of my mission, I kill you. You get in the way of me achieving whatever it is that I'm seeking out to achieve, I eliminate you. And perhaps that means actually striking you dead, and perhaps it means destroying your character, or perhaps it means whatever, but the fact remains is that without that book of rules, the world is simply reduced to whatever mission is in front of me, whatever task I have set myself to, and anything that stands in the way is bypassed, overcome, or destroyed. Imagine, 
for a moment if that was your rule set. If there was no one, not your child, not your parents, not your siblings. To which, if they actually got in the way of you achieving whatever, you wouldn't simply strike them down. That means that of the seven and a half or eight billion people, however many people there are in the world, not one holds any intrinsic value beyond whatever their utility is in the moment. That is a terrifying concept. It is horrible, monstrous. And without the faith, without the understanding that we each are created in the image and likeness of God, without the salvation that came from the word becoming flesh and becoming one of us and living amongst us and sacrificing himself for all the times that we simply reduced another human being to their utility, Without that, what a dark world. And that is exactly the world that we're approaching. Were it not for the grace of God that made me a Catholic, I would be perfectly fit for that world. Why is it important to make sure that your feet are shod with the preparedness that comes with the gospel of peace? Because the gospel of peace tells you that that is the outlook of the world. That a person is, that a person, place, or thing is simply, simply in value according to its utility. And nothing else. Whether it be a dog, a cat, a lion, a bear, a person, a mother, a child, a brother. Those are the rules of this world. The people are reduced specifically to their utility. And, to, and if, if in that world they are being honest, the fact remains is there is nothing special about the unborn child. There is nothing special about the infant. There is nothing special about the toddler. Nothing special about the adult, the adolescent, beyond the innocence that has not yet been taken. But once that innocence has been taken, there is nothing left beyond what they can do, beyond what they maybe can build. Nothing special about the adult, nothing special about the senior citizen. Beyond maybe learning from whatever it is that they've discovered through the course of their life. And if they themselves live the typical pagan, atheistic, temporal existence, it's going to be nothing indeed. And that is why, in Canada, they can euthanize a child now 
who's suffering from depression without notifying their parents. At least they believe that's the way that it will be. We'll see how their elections and their votes and all that stuff come to pass. But that is what is on the table. These are the people that you're dealing with. These are the people who have allowed themselves to walk so far away from the faith that the very mentality that I just described to you as being my mentality has in fact become their mentality. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers. This is in fact a spiritual war. It's going to express itself very soon as a temporal war as well. However, it is first and foremost a spiritual war. And if you do not understand that that's what you're up against, then you will not be prepared to do whatever it is that's actually necessary. See, it's funny because the devil has actually managed to make a generation of people who are not actually emotionally attached to their brethren. They are instead attached to sex, to fornication specifically, to physical pleasures of the hammer-knocker kind. They're going to find themselves wasted. Because they will have chased all of those pleasures and eventually all of those pleasures will simply not be enough. They'll follow that path of slavery to their very own death. And these are people who very soon will begin killing, not out of hatred, because that's where they're at right now, but out of entertainment. And surely you've seen some of this these last few years in fact, let me remind you that all the way back in 2010, it was a game in the city of the street in the city of Chicago on the streets to walk up behind somebody with a two by four and crack them on the head with it. They called it the knockout game, but very many of those people who were cracked on the back of the head with a two by four died. And it was a game. It was entertainment. It was fun. <clears throat> these people have come unpegged that even so far that even those who would consider themselves the elite are going to come out in favor of these games. They're already offering up child sacrifice as satanic, specifically, literally, by, their, by the words from their mouth, satanic child sacrifice. so that they can fornicate. They're not interested in defiling your children and maiming them and mutilating them for any other reason than to have some kind of sick companionship with their delusions, 
with the things that are broken in their brain because they themselves have allowed themselves to do nothing but pursue these visceral, fleshly pleasures. And what results is not something that is more beautiful, but is in fact actually merely a mockery of beauty. That's why their new logos, their new flag, their new all of that seems to become more and more discordant, more and more chaotic, more and more just what is that? These are not beautiful things that they're creating. They are instead making a mockery of beauty. If you've seen that image that is like the many colored, I don't know what you want to call it. I don't know what you would call it, but it very much looks like the banner of chaos with bright colors and pastels and all of these things mixed in and overlaid with various little logos and, you know, kind of enmeshed in it. <clears throat> A banner that actually, in all honesty, if I'm being blunt, actually looks like the cloak of Sauron of many colors, or Saruman of many colors, when he ceased being Saruman the White. They're broken, but they're going to become so broken that the only thing that will satiate their desires is, de is literal, actual, physical death. If we carry forward in the direction that we're headed, you will begin to see, what do they used to call it? Murder porn? Snuff films? It's going to begin to be what's depicted. Things in the name of entertainment that are actually little more than just videotaping torture and torment. I mean, it'll start as simulation at first, to be sure. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. We're already at that point. If you look, let's look back. You might remember the movie Seven. Starring Kevin Spacey, Brad Pitt, and Morgan Freeman. What you saw depicted in that movie wasn't the torture and torment itself. It was the aftermath. The depiction of the consequences of these seven deadly sins made by some psychopath they didn't even depict the torture and torment itself instead you picked everything up from its aftermath because once upon a time we had enough sense to know maybe you shouldn't do that but it would only be about a decade later when the first movies, you might remember the title, Saw, came out. And suddenly the tortures and the torments, the murders, those, those depictions, you no longer saw the aftermath. It wasn't from the sense of this is what happened. You watched them happen at the time in the depiction of the story. 
If you haven't seen any of the movies, skip them. They are disturbing. I would not call them Catholic entertainment at all. But that is the direction that we're heading. And that's where we're going. Are we going to be able to go back? I don't know. Within the United States, I doubt it. Within the United States, I expect here in the near future what was simulation of these tortures and torments will probably actually just become stuff you see on closed circuit TV. Because we already see so many heinous things that people do to one another. Now that we've become basically a surveillance state, that surveillance will soon become the entertainment. And those visceral, torturous, monstrous things that man does to one another will soon become the only thing that actually satiates our appetites. Not everybody in total, but certainly many. And certainly for those who carry a forward lost from the path of God, who refuse to acknowledge the truth. The truth that the Word was made flesh. The truth that those things do not have to be our path. The truth that each of us is made in the image and likeness of God. And that we have more to our intrinsic value, much more, infinitely more, than merely the utility that we bring to any given situation. Because the God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who made the trees and the grass, the God who made the deer, the ox, the antelope, the God who made the birds, made man in his image. So that we, in looking at all of this creation, could know him, love him, and serve him. He who became flesh and died in service to us. He whose hands and feet were pierced. He whose Head was beaten and crowned with thorns, and neck and back and body were scourged. He who was buffeted and insulted and spat upon, he endured all of that. Because he wanted us to know but not only did he make us in his image, but he was willing to be made in our image so that we would know him.
Now, as with all things, if there's any sloppiness in the theology in anything that I've said, well, do remember that I do introduce myself as a mechanic, and I'm not a theologian. I'm a warfighter. And everything here is not put out so that you believe, because we have apostles to do that. We have priests to do that. We have bishops. We have, like, we have the church that can do that. I'm simply here so that you can be prepared, so that you can be ready. So that in that day, when the war comes, when the chastisements come, you don't find yourself walking barefoot amidst thistles and briars. You don't find yourself trying to raid the enemy camp when he's salted the earth with caltrops. You don't try to deflect against the war, giving the enemy just an opportunity to step on your feet. Making it so that in that day, when you need most to stand, you can't. Regardless of all the other accoutrements of battle that you bring with you, if you cannot stand, you cannot fight. And the boots that are the preparedness that comes with the gospel of peace are in fact most important. Because if your feet are shod with that preparedness, you can duck and you can dodge. Your shield of faith may not be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the devil, but surely if you can, if you can juke and jive, if you can duck and dodge because you can stand on your own two feet, the shield doesn't have to be perfect. The breastplate doesn't have to be that strong. And who knows, maybe you don't have the in-depth knowledge of the Word of God that you need in order to be able to wield the sword of the Spirit like a good battle, like a good warrior. But if your feet are prepared, in that day you at least won't be slain. Because there's enough. There's enough to keep you safe. Mostly. Although, to be sure, in that battle, during that battle, the shield of faith, if your feet are prepared, the shield of faith will find itself being strengthened. Because if you're prepared, well, then you know. And faith is an act of the intellect and the will, and so if you know, you can at least will it. And if you will it, <laughs> I would actually argue that the boots that the, the boots of preparedness as they were are probably the most vital. Because it is with them that as you engage in the battle, all of those other parts are strengthened.
if you're ready for it, you'll recognize it as truth, which will gird your loins. If you're ready for it, that truth will give you an understanding of what justice is, and it will fortify that breastplate. And if you're ready for it, you will recognize that truth as the word of God. And even if you don't have the specific words, you will still be able to wield the sword of the spirit. Even if the words aren't exactly in the right syntax, you'll still have a knowledge of what was said by God. And in all of that, having strengthened the shield and fortified the breastplate and truly girt your loins with truth, wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, surely, if you have all of that, surely you will actually put on the helmet of salvation. I don't know specifically or precisely if that's how it works, but that seems to be how it appears to work. If you know what's coming, you can be ready for it. If you know what's coming, you can recognize the truth. If you know what's coming, then you'll understand what it means to be just. If you know what's coming, you can act on it. If you know what's coming, you can wield that knowledge as a weapon. And having done all, in that day, you will stand. And I think that's why our Lord, particularly with the scapular of benediction and protection, benediction and protection, wanted us to direct our attention more to his feet. Because we so easily ignore the feet. Surely we kiss the feet Surely, surely we instinctively wish to wipe the blood from, that flows from the wounds in his feet. But most certainly, we don't understand why the feet would be so important. And I think that's why he wanted to direct the attention there. I think that's why, because it was of everything that was revealed in, in the purple scapular, it was the one thing that made the least sense to me. It was the one thing that I had to kind of go back to for five years before finally arriving at this. Five years. Hmm. Anybody who thinks I'm smart, I mean, seriously, come on. Five years? I've known Ephesians 6, 13 to 24 for 20 years. Going on 25 now. Actually, I'm sorry, going on 30. And the significance of the wounds in Christ's feet never once. Never once. There's even a body joke related to the wounds in his feet, and I never put it together. Of course, I stopped, you know telling the joke when I realized the nature of what, like, how detrimental blasphemy was. Kind of important. Actually, really important, even in the joke. <clears throat> Maybe I'll describe it someday. Especially now that I would actually be talking about it with the reverence of 
this understanding. Anyway, this, I hope, helps you prepare. A real quick plug for where, again, for the sources, it's www.scapularbenedictionandprotection.com. Also, oh, where'd it go? www.scapulars-au, because it's an Australian store, .com. Um, they have actually all of the sacramentals mentioned by Marie-Julie Jehenny. So it, it's not just the purple scapular, but the medal of the holy face, the medal of Our Lady of Good Counsel, um, also called uh, medal of Our, uh, medal of Notre Dame de la Bonne Garde, or the Good Guard, the Good Custodian, I guess you could say, and the Cross of Forgiveness. And the Cross of Forgiveness actually is kind of a really cool one. Um, let me go ahead and quote from that website before I go. The words of our Lord to Marie-Julie on July 20th, 1882. I wish that my male and, uh, male and female servants and even small children can clothe themselves with a cross. This cross will be sw small and will bear in the middle the appearance of a small white flame. This flame will indicate that they are sons and daughters of the light. My little, my little beloved friends, you will bear on yourselves my adorable cross that will preserve you from all sorts of evil, big or small, and later I shall bless them. My little beloved friends, it is to give you an idea of what I endure at the thought of so many souls deprived of endless happiness, i.e. of all the souls that will be lost. My little beloved friends, these past days have left so much evil, but those that come will be even more terrible because evil will make a terrible intensity will take a terrible intensity extend soon with greater measurements my little beloved friends you will carry on yourselves my adorable crucifix which will preserve you of every sort and kind of evils big or small and later i shall bless them firstly they will carry the name the cross of pardon Secondly, they will carry the name, the cross of salvation. Thirdly, they will carry the name, the cross of holy protection. Fourthly, they will carry the name, the cross that calms plagues. Fifthly, they will carry the prayer. O God, crucified Savior, set me ablaze with love, faith, and courage for the salvation of my brothers. My little children, all souls that suffer and those sieved out by the blight, all those who will kiss it will have my forgiveness. All those who will touch it will have my forgiveness. The expiation will be long, but one day there will be heaven. Heaven will be opened. I have warned you beforehand, my little beloved friends, so that you are not surprised, so that you have all the time to inform your loved ones and families, i.e. that the coming chastisements do not take us by surprise. God also wants us to warn our families of what is coming. These are available at that store. I'm sure there are others. This just happens to be one that I was able to pull up rather quickly, specifically for this podcast. And I would recommend, be it if you get it through them or anyone else, obviously they're not paying me for it because I don't know anybody in Australia specifically. Um, 
<clears throat> wherever it is that you happen to get the, these sacramentals, I would highly recommend them because they bring in mind specific devotions, specific things that we need to direct our attention to for our salvation and the salvation of our friends and our families, for our salvation and salvation of our children, for our salvation and salvation of our parishes and our households. Because this is a war, not of flesh and blood. And we must, in that day, stand and stand perfect. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.